The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Mitch Fox from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Morning, Scott. Morning, Mitch. Morning, Scott. Uh, what a bizarre week. We're coming off a great uh, Thai Cat win, hopefully heading into another successful weekend. But man, uh, another variant comes out in COVID-19 just when we think we're getting out of all of this. And boom, uh, you know, there's waves everywhere. How is this affecting the financial markets, Don? Well, that day on Friday, when it kind of announced and the flights were canceled from uh, Africa, Omicron was in the news. And if that doesn't sound like a Marvel villain, yeah. you know, it sounds like way worse than Delta, just the name of it. And, uh, but anyway, it's this uncertainty comes back into the markets. Uh, we've been on a run, too. So it's almost like, OK, well, you know, any kind of uncertainty was going to have a pretty good impact. And so the markets have been up for a, quite a while now. And so there's a 900 um, point pullback on the Dow Jones. Uh, the U- Canadian markets also went down over 400 points. So yeah, and, you know, things came back on Monday and then Tuesday. So it's uh, and then back and forth, back and forth. So it's it's not out of the woods yet. It's anytime there's uncertainty, that's when things get choppy. And so anyway, we'll see uh, where it goes. But at the end of the day, companies, as we found out during the original pandemic, um, they're very flexible. They they can change courses quickly, and even more so now that We've got all the tools in place. Are you surprised that once this announcement came out, that things that people did, markets reacted so quickly? A little bit. But again, just because it's, uh, the markets have been so high and they've gone yeah. up a lot in the last, say, called six months or even longer, um, particularly, you know, even from, you know, the, re- the return from uh, March of 2020, there was a massive increase and everything caught up back by about September of 2020. And it's just continued on. So if it wasn't this, it could have been a big inflation number that or or anybody shooting a, a missile out North Korea. Something was going to trigger a big pullback. And it turned out that uh, this is the one this time. So will it depend on what happens in the next couple of weeks with this variant? They say it's going to take a couple of weeks for us to figure out exactly, uh, you know, if it affects us as much as people think or suspect it could now. Will that then start to trend things upwards or is that what this is all uh, counting on? Yeah, it was as to get more information uh, and there's more certainty and then they know how yeah. to tackle it. And even if uh, if the vaccines aren't as effective that may have something but then of course you've already heard Moderna saying okay we can we can plug in the new Mm -hmm. DNA into this and then you know have a new vaccine say in early March of next year so you know talk about having a trial um, in 2020 I don't believe it'll be much impact overall and I do believe and there seems to be a lot more reasons why they'll continue to be a bull market than a bear market going forward. So we're going to start the show with uh, intergenerational uh, transfer of wealth. And I understand Mitch is going to give you a couple of lessons on this, Dad. Yeah, it's, I think this is more than uh, it's a public hint rather than anything. <laughs> so, yeah, Mitch is going to talk about inter- intergenerational wealth transfer. And uh, this should be interesting. I guess I'll be taking some notes on this one. I guess we're <laughs> going to find out if uh, Dad uh, practices what he preaches here uh, is from Mitch's <laughs> point of view. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know we got a lot of listeners out there who talk to both of us, so they're for sure going to listen and keep jabbing them in the background for whatever I have to say. So I'm just out here planting seeds. (laughs) (laughs) Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. (laughs) But definitely, it's a very common topic to talk about in financial planning because, I mean, there's... They say two things are certain in life and one's death and one's taxes. So uh, intergenerational wealth has to do with both. Lots of Canadian families are not ac- adequately prepared to pass on their wealth and they, that they work their entire life for. 70% of affluent Canadians anticipate leaving an inheritance. However, only 57% say they're reasonably prepared to execute their future with wealth transfer. So that, that leaves a lot of people that they're not sure how they're going to pass it, how much they're going to pass and uh, how, what their kids are going to do with their money after that. Uh, wealth transfer is a vital part of financial plan. And there are three major pillars that are common for people when they miss their goals. The, the first is communication. Communication is something everyone can relate to. And sometimes it can be very challenging and uncomfortable, especially with this topic. Oftentimes it can be uncomfortable to people that we're closest to. So I'd I decided to do it publicly with my dad right here. (laughs) It is kind of funny you mentioned that, Scott, because I know we've had these chats off there. You're off. um, So, you know, when you're off air, we've mentioned about, you know, your particular family and other families and how it's it's almost a taboo subject to talk about wealth transfer, yet it's going to happen. I'm just wondering, Mitch, should you have your mother in on this conversation (laughs) sitting next to your dad? I'm going to make sure she's listening to this show. Trust me. (laughs) Good work. Yeah, it is a podcast available um, if you don't catch it live. So, yeah, there's no issues here. So they're they're always on our our website. So I'll make sure she's actually working on our website right now. So I'll make sure she listens to this one. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's very important to have these conversations early. So, I mean, I'm, I'm 30 years old, so I feel like that's a good time. So God, I got you here, dad. (laughs) Gee, Uh, now, you know, that just didn't uh, hit your dad. That hit me too. I'm just sort of shaking my head here at that 30 years old. My God. Yeah. You're thinking of your kids asking, talking to you pretty soon about the same. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I better pay (laughs) close attention here. So communication is the first pillar that usually gets missed because it is an uncomfortable topic. Uh, life seldom goes as planned and to have a plan in place early uh, means if something unexpected does happen, that legacy goal, that estate plan that you put in place is still achieved because you had these discussions early. Uh, it's rarely too early to have these discussions, but it can, it can certainly be too late. So an important point I'd like to em- emphasize is that there's, uh, well, you don't have to disclose everything. Uh, to children. That's that's perfectly fine. We're not saying you have to disclose income, net worth, everything right to the dollar, but just to make sure that the power of attorney, the who's going to be the executor and to have a will in place, a proper will is something that needs to be discussed so that everyone's on the same page. And that if something does happen suddenly, uh, your whole plan is executed perfectly. Uh, disclosing, like I said, uh, the second pillar is uh, to consider. It's tough to consider certain families every dynamic is totally different Uh, 32% of Canadian parents worry about how their children will handle their inheritance so to make sure that you know your kids are going to treat that money the way that you want and maybe having to put a trust in place to make sure it's not blown right away I know that's some very common is when someone gets a large inheritance is that they they want to get that car they want to have some fun that they never had the ability to do uh, and, and one thing to add to that, Mitch, is, is people often think of this trust and the separate document. This is just part of the will. And you form this as part of the will of when children will receive the funds. 
And if you don't put this in, they'll receive the funds at 18. And that generally is not a good thing for <laughs> almost everybody. And so to have it stretched over, say, okay, going to school, pay for at age 25, a portion, age 30, and maybe even go all as far as so you get the rest at 35 or when you have a full-time job or whatever, you can put all the parameters in the will and the trustee that's named in the will has to look after that. Yeah, I mean, giving a large sum of money to an 18-year-old is probably not going to be the best route to go. Uh, but the top four reasons why their child will be unable to maintain their wealth, uh, 24% external factors, high cost of living. People are afraid that the cost of living from when they pass away to when they get that money, it's just not going to be as much as it was. 21% uh, their lack of financial knowledge. This is a very large topic that comes up a lot uh, is that universities just aren't teaching kids how to treat money and what taxes and how they work. And uh, it, having open communication about how uh, your financial goals as a family, what you value and how hard you work to get that money can really put into a kid, uh, a child that receives an inheritance, uh, the same sort of value. So when they get that inheritance, they treat it the same way that you treated it while you were around. 18% uh, splurging their inheritance. Uh, that's one of the other common goal uh, things here. 14% losing inheritance due to, due to divorce. So divorce is certainly an area that can take an inheritance down significantly as well. Uh, so these four reasons can be taken care of by having a good financial planner. And when it comes to estate planning and maintaining wealth of passing, we find most successful inheritance are, are the ones that bring their kids in on meetings early whether that's at 15 years old, 16, or even in their 20s, just to get them started and to align their family goals. But like I said, every family situation is very different. Everyone has different dynamics. Um, the third pillar here is that, is that having a proper financial plan. Napoleon Hill, the author of the best-selling classic, uh, Think and Grow Rich, suggested that financial success was, a, was largely as a result of writing down his goals. And uh, science actually does confirm that. So when they take the time to write down our goals, our brain sets it up internally and monitoring system to keep track of it. So writing down everything that you want to achieve, it's going to have a better plan than just thinking about what you want. Uh, it's important to understand how your estate may be taxed at the time of your death, but also understand the tax implications of your decisions making today. Uh, a very common thing we do for our clients, especially around this time of year, is drawing from RIFs, uh, November, December, trying to get clients to the top of their tax bracket, whether that's around 45 or to 88. It's different, uh, 88,000 income for the year. It's different for each situation. Uh, so we do whatever makes sense. These funds, they're not needed to live off of, but we can draw them out at 20% now and have them pay tax while they're still alive. But if they were to pass away next year, and if they have large rifts, maybe over 220000 then it makes sense because that's going to be on your final tax bill, and it's going to get taxed at 53.5%. And we, we just don't want to see anyone passing away with that large tax bill. We'd rather get out 20 while they're still alive, get the best tax planning in place right now so that when they pass away, they're paying much less tax. Ideally, you have no rifts at all. Uh, so if this uh, insurance is another way, uh, tax and estate planning to have to fill gaps in financial plans as insurance can be useful when used properly in legacy goals. Uh, you can have it in place to pay your to pay your estate tax, whether that's to pay the capital gains or taxation on a RIF. Yeah, it's important to max, maximize your current lifestyle and ensure that your retirement goals stay on track. So we still want you to live your life to the fullest and enjoy what you're doing. Uh, we don't want you to 
give yourself an estate goal and just set that as a dollar value. We often tell clients that putting a percentage instead of a dollar value will have you live your life fuller instead of just sitting, okay, here's a large sum, just put a percentage in place instead. I think that's a common thing that uh, you've mentioned, right, Dad? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's interesting when you're giving, a, say, a nominal gift to a grandchild and you say, okay, I'm going to give each grandchild $5,000. That's not going to hurt the estate much. But if you're going to say, I'm going to give each grandchild or, or child uh, 100000 well, what if there isn't 100000 And this is where you, you may want to look at going with a, a percentage system, and that usually works far better. So I definitely recommend uh, a percentage system and possibly for small gifts, just going with a dollar amount. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. It's that time of the year, Don, when uh, everybody wants to get their ducks in a row before uh, the end of the tax year. So what are some year-end tax strategies here? Yeah. yeah. Where did this year go, Scott? It's like yeah. December 4th now. And, and wow. Um, I, I think we've like been hibernating. We've been hibernating for the last year and a half or two years, you know? <laughs> yeah. I feel like you should be getting out of that cave anytime soon. I guess yeah. to the most part, people are uh, kind of back to normal again and lots of activities, but I, I, it does seem like there's this event called the pandemic. It's post pandemic and pre-pandemic and during pandemic and uh it's kind of been using the timeline it's been kind of judging by that and here we are december and we've got to say okay well we got to do some year in tax planning and particularly for uh, the investors and and retirees like in business owners there's lots of things you can do so let's just start with the the investor strategies if there if you do have a capital loss you it's a time now is to trigger that capital loss and it does take a couple days to trigger this. So you do make have to make that, sell that security that's in a lost position, uh, typically before December 29th. I would not be waiting that long. I would be selling it earlier than that, but absolutely look to sell it. Now, let's say you think it might still go back up and you say, I don't really wanna sell it because you know if it goes back up, um, then you know if I'm not in it anymore. I've been holding this long on this, on this dog and I'm sure it's gonna go back up. Well. There might be a similar stock that you could move it to and buy. Um, for example, uh, you know, just uh, if you're in all the banks have done well, but let's say one bank you sold and you just buy a different bank or an ETF that's in banks. And that way you can get back into that original stock within after 30 days is up because you do have to wait 30 days before buying the exact same security. And if you don't, they disallow the loss. And it's called a superficial loss. So you do have this, this 30 days to, and if you are unsure if it's, it's going to you know, go back up, buy something similar on, and wait for 30 days and rebuy it. But again, you can use these capital losses, uh, carry it back three years, 
and forward indefinitely. So even if you if you say, well, I don't have anything to use it against, sell it anyway. And it's almost like a bank account. Right on your notice of assessment, it will show capital losses. And the government will keep track of that. That way you won't have to worry about remembering it. And we all know, you know, who, you know our memories are short when it comes to all these things we do to keep track of things. And it is difficult to do that. So capital losses is, is part of it. And, uh, you know, basically, number you're looking at using or treating your capital gains appropriately. So, if you have a gain, the exact opposite. Wait till January to sell it, and that way you don't have to pay tax until April 2023, rather than selling it now and creating a gain, and then you have tax to pay April 2022. And also, the if it is a significant capital gain, and if you can get paid over several years, you can actually trigger. What, uh, up to five years, trigger the gain over five years. So you can have one fifth a year for five years, or you can sporadically have 20% one year, 30% the next, but you can split a capital gain over five years. And this might be great with your tax planning. Again, this is where you need a tax professional to make sure that that person is helping you and seeing if it makes sense to do so. Some, depending on your situation, it might be better just to bite the bullet and get it all in one year. But again, it all comes down to tax brackets, old age security, other factors that come into play. Uh, there is this capital, lifetime capital gains exemption called, is, is now up to $892,218. And it continues to go up by inflation. Now this capital gains exemption applies to small businesses and, and qualified farms. So this is a, you know, a great opportunity. If you sell your shares, you can have basically very close to $900,000 per shareholder, um, tax-free. So if it is a husband and a wife owning a company, fantastic. There's almost $1,800 worth of tax-free money. Now there is a hitch. And this is where I find is, of, is overlooked so many times. It's called AMT, Alternative Minimum Tax. And so the government may not allow all that tax-free income because they do have this 15% AMT tax that it's kind of running in the background of every tax program and it might catch that. And so then you then have to find ways to get back this AMT tax. Yes, yeah, I believe it's seven years you get all that back. But again, this is again, important to sit down with your financial planner, work through what's the best option for you. Now, here we are uh, late uh, coming into December here right now. and donations. And I don't know about you, Scott, uh, you might have received a few mailings or emails about uh, every charitable organization hitting. And this is a very popular time. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they've been hurting over the last year or two because they haven't been able to go out and do their campaigning. We're uh, obviously in full throttle mode with the CHML Christmas Tree of Hope campaign and weren't able to do it last year. So, yeah, there's a lot of catch up there for the charities. They're, they're aggressively looking for help. Yeah, and, and, and need it. And there's mm -hmm. the missing golf tournaments and other events yeah. that they used to have to help fund. And, and they were totally relying on a lot of these events. However, if there was a, a large capital gain in a holding you have, we've talked about this before, but it's far better to send them the securities. Do not cash in the securities and then give them the money. Because if you do that, you then have a capital gain and then you, have, and then you get a deduction. That's okay. But if you give them the securities, you don't get the capital gain. So you actually get a far better tax result by sending them the securities and letting them cash them in. 
because they're a nonprofit organization and they, they do not have to pay tax on that capital gain. Um, contributing to the TFSAs, we uh, the limit for 2021, lifetime limit is 75,500. That is going up by, unfortunately, only $6,000 for 2022. I thought it was gonna go up by you know, 6, 000, uh, another $500. So I thought it might be 6,500 for 2022 um, because it's supposed to go up in chunks of 500 based on inflation. And this year, as we've talked about, has been an inflation ridden year coming out of the pandemic and a lot of money. We talked about this in the last week's show. And so I, I kind of did the math and it say, I don't know how they're keeping it at 6,000, but anyway, it is 6,000 for next year. So it's 75,500 plus an additional six starting January. Nice thing about January too, if you pulled out money in the last, well, anytime during the program, you can replace that money the following year. So if you pulled out money, say to buy, purchase a car, say in September of 2021, and you took $30,000 out, you can replace that 30,000 if you have the funds, of course, in January or any time into the, into the next year. You cannot replace the funds during the same year. Otherwise there's a 1% per year penalty. So it's very important to know this. People have gotten caught on this rule. And again, important to sit down with your financial planner and make sure you're doing it properly. So this is uh, the 1% per month will catch up to you. It's a huge steep penalty. And the do-it-yourselfers, it's so tricky. There's so many tax rules. Uh, thankfully, I'm sure there's a few do-it-yourselfers listening to these rules as we speak. So it's uh, make sure you don't get caught in that one. Uh, RSP strategies. Now, this is... a uh, the limit for 2021 is 18% of your income up to 27,830. Now we used to always know the limits, but since they've kind of gone with inflation, it's hard to keep the actual number. And it's kind of redundant to a certain de degree because it shows up right on your notice of assessment. Um, or if you, or if you're in, if you're online with a CRA, you can also find it there. If you over contribute, very similar to over contributing to a TFSA, it's a 1% per month penalty. And it's ruthless because they will go back and go back through many years. And I've seen, unfortunately, people make mistakes as far as over contributions and come back with thousands of dollars of penalties. So important to make sure you're not over contributing. They give you this $2,000 wiggle room, kind of like a little error. So if you do over contribute up to 2000, you don't get penalized for that. But once you're a, a dollar over that 2000, you're penalized. Now make the most of your unused RSP room. I know we talked about this a little bit, but it really comes down to tax bracket management and which tax bracket do you wanna be? RSPs are, are untaxed money, as we know, and you do have to pay tax on it sooner or later. So if there's, if there's a way to get a high deduction now and knowing that you can pull it out later at a lower bracket, definitely do it. But if you're only in say in a 20% tax bracket, and there's a chance you can actually pull it out later in a higher bracket, it makes no sense. You're better off to keep it into a non-registered investment. And I know there's a lot of people, it's almost an RSP habit. Okay, here's the time of year. I'm, I'm trucking over to my financial institution and my, my form here says I can put in X amount of dollars into the RSP and, and they do it. It's, that's not planning, of course. And it actually will end up costing you or your estate a lot of money, particularly if it gets snagged with that 53.53% tax bracket. Now, contributing to a spousal RSP. 
it's uh, almost a lost art. People often think, well, what do I have to do that? I can split my um, RIF money with my spouse once I'm 65. And really, th there's no, no need for spousal RSPs. Personally, I, I'm still a big believer of trying to get the RSP pots equal. You never knew, know which government might change those rules going forward. So that's one part. Uh, the other is uh, you can move your RSP into a spousal RIF and pull out the minimum. So if one spouse happens to retire earlier than the other, you can pull out the minimum out of the, out of the RIF and it, there's no attribution rules. And what those, for those listeners, attribution rules, there's a three-year attribution rule. So if you are gonna to contribute to a spousal RSP, it's best to do it right now in December of 2021. Because if you wait till 2022, it's another year of attribution rules. So just to give you an example, if you put 10,000 into a spousal RSP right now in December, you can actually, your spouse can actually, you get the deduction and your spouse can pull those funds out in 2024 and not have that $10,000 attributed back to your income. However, January 1st, you happen to get caught up in Christmas stuff and you make the contribution, $10,000 contribution. You now have to wait till 2025, a full extra year to pull that, those funds out and, and therefore, it, you know, it, it's sometimes it's great just to have that option. So there's certainly no downside and it make, might make even sense to borrow for that spousal RSP. Now, here's an interesting one. That spousal RSP, you can actually make a final contribution to a spousal RSP by March 1st, 2022. So if your spouse or common law partner passed away with unused RSP room and you are under 71 years old. Because of all the capital gains that might be applicable to that spouse or, or windfalls that may be applicable to that spouse, that you're, unfortunately your, your spouse that's passed away may have a very high income in the year of passing. And therefore, use that RSP room to a spousal RSP before March, March 1st, 2022 and get that last deduction. And again, this is where, again, sitting down with a financial planner would help with that. And we talked last, year, last week about basing the withdrawals on the younger spouse's age. Um, it absolutely makes sense when you convert that RSP to a RIF. You always want to do that. Um, it just means you have more flexibility. You don't have to take out as much out of the RIF. You can always take out more. There's no, nothing stopping you from taking out more. But uh, to taking it, um, taking, it's always a nice option to take out less. So uh, as far as retirement strategies go, uh, apply for those government benefits. You know, it might make sense to take it early, depending on your health. It might make sense to take it at 65, as far as a CPP and OAS. It's, it's tricky. This is a, one of the most complicated areas is Canada Pension Plan. There's more rumor and water cooler talk and water cooler advice on Canada Pension Plan than any other, other topic I know of. And I hate to say it, but most of the stuff you hear is wrong. This is where you need a CFP to go over what makes sense for you. And a lot of it has to do with longevity, um, RSP strategies of perhaps by delaying it, you can actually pull out a lot of money out of the RSPs in order to bring your income up to either 40,000 as Mitch said earlier, or even 80,000 and still get, the, still get the old age security. So there's, it, it's really a, for me, it's, it's really like a big 
jigsaw puzzle as far as where do you gonna get your income from and get the most tax benefit now, but also going forward, having that index pension of OAS or CPP and delaying that index pension, you're gonna get a nice jump because it's indexed. And you're getting on top of that up to a 42% increase by waiting out the CPP till age 70. So there's so many strategies as far as the CPP and OAS goes, but that's another topic for another day. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. All right, we're going to talk about NFTs. And nobody knows what the heck that is, although Don has tried to explain it to us a couple of times. Well, you know what, Scott? I, back last year when we were doing this show, I brought them up and it was just a brand new, they stand for non-fungible tokens. I knew nothing about them at the time. I kind of researched them a little bit and you know did a little segment on them. And funny enough, you know, last year in 2020, the Collins Dictionary, the number one word last year was lockdown. Yeah. Well, this year, the same dictionary, the number one word is NFT. It's followed by a close second of crypto. <laughs> and by the way, number three is chuggy, which means uncool or out of date. I've never heard of chuggy. Oh, it's uh, the millennials getting made fun of by the, the generation below me. Uh, it's, it, I'm now old now. <laughs> I've heard that. Honestly, yeah, I'm I- now old. I hear that from my kids making fun of millennials. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like when it's like when uh, like my dad's a baby boomer and people say, OK, boomer. Right. <laughs> it's so like someone calling me chuggy now. That's the difference between your dad and I, because I refuse to admit I'm a boomer. I'm sorry. I'm the uh, on the line just before. And the reason I know I'm not a boomer is because I didn't get Pfizer for my first shot. <laughs> Neither did I. But uh... You're not a boomer, Don. OK, don't, well, don't nice. go down with that. He's trying okay. to be chuggy. He wants to get that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, NFTs are, are the uh, are the word of the year. And uh, Mitch has uh, got a little bit to say about this. Yeah. I mean, uh, non-fungible token, it's really taken 21, 2021 by storm. And uh, it's a very common thing for people to just think they're JPEGs, but the technology behind them is actually, it's very cool. And it's so early in what they're capable of doing. And just to, give a brief history of what a non-fungible token is. It's non-fungible means something that's unique. It can't be replaced and it, it has ownership. So a Bitcoin is technically fungible, which means that if, if I get a Bitcoin and I give it, trade it for another Bitcoin, you get the same thing, but non-fungible can be compared to, let's say hockey cards. If I gave, if I gave Scott a Wayne Gretzky hockey card and he gives me a Doug Gilmore hockey card, those are non-fungible. They're, they're totally unique and they're different things and they're going to have different values. And that's more or less what's going on in a lot of the crypto NFT space right now. But the first actual big NFT sale, was it was in uh, this year in March, 
there was a famous artist. Uh, the painting was called The First 5,000 Days. And it was a work of art sold for $69 million at a Christie's auction house this year. Uh, that high price is not uncommon for famous artists to sell a painting for that amount of money, but it caught the public's attention because it was sold as an NFT. So it was a total, totally digital piece of art. And this is just one example of the large sales that have gone on this year. Most of them have been profile photo, uh, uh, profile photos, uh, typically like they're called the crypto punks, which were the ones that were made in 2012. So they're, they're the most rare. And that's why people are seeking them out. And you'll see NBA stars like Steph Curry, uh, NFL stars, Odell Beckham, and they're putting them as their profile photos on Twitter. And Twitter has been instrumental for NFTs, actually, for the drive is that people are they're putting them as their profile photos. Try to get some clout, uh, not to try to use a chuggy word here. I don't know if that's chuggy or not, but <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to get some recognition and to look cool. And but most people, they're like, well, it's a it's a photo. So why can't I just like take a screenshot and then it's mine, which I mean, technically you could. Uh, someone wouldn't know about that. But Twitter is actually going to put in a new feature that if you have the actual NFT, you can connect your Twitter account to your coin, to, to your uh, crypto wallet, and you'll actually get a little check mark uh, authenticating that this is, you own that actual piece of art and you're not just copying it from someone else. So you're gonna get a little bit of recognition if you actually own that profile photo, just like if you're a famous athlete or musician on Twitter with that blue check mark, which is, it's a very cool feature that's gonna come out on Twitter. So basically but, what you're explaining here is if you were to buy a piece of art, a painting, for example, then you'd hang it on your wall. The difference is here, you're showing people on your phone as opposed to hanging it on a wall. That is correct. Like that's, it's, but it stays in your wallet and yeah. it's, it's authenticated. So no matter what, you can't counterfeit anything on the blockchain. And it's pretty cool because blockchain, it's all public knowledge. Like I can go into... If you know someone's wallet, you can go into their wallet. So someone can go into mine and see which NFTs that I hold. And they can, if, for example, the NFL, just this year, they started using NFTs as uh, tickets, like souvenirs. They're dabbling in there, just testing it out to see how it goes. And there's been multiple games that they give you a digital NFT ticket with your actual ticket that you got. And that gets to stay in your wallet and it can be a memory. And maybe it was a special game. It was the Thanksgiving game and it was it was there's lots of highlights and you can actually sell that ticket down the road if you want to, because those things could hold value. And uh, NFL, like I said, NFL just started using it. But I know Kevin Leary, he's O'Leary is very big into this and he's very excited about the features it can do to authenticate uh, physical items like he's a big watch guy. And I. I watched something that he was saying that he's uh, Patek Philippe or Frolex. Uh, you can authenticate that that watch was actually authentic. You can put an NFT onto the back of the watch or you can have a certificate and that the resale value, value way down the road can be authenticated by the blockchain. So there's no way of selling a counterfeit watch. And that's just another way. There's they're going to be airline tickets. There's so many ways that this can be used and it's a huge space if you look at facebook they just changed their name to meta to stand for metaverse and uh, to keep a long story short they're basically going to be able to use your nft in the metaverse to have another social platform it's just going to take it to a totally different virtual world so things are it's still so early and it's tough to see where everyone's going but the, the technology behind nfts 
is it's more than profile photos and uh, there's big companies like Facebook, Twitter and companies that everyone's invested in that are getting into this product as, as well. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. All right, for our last segment, we're talking about your financial well-being. Yes, and... uh... You know, that last segment with Mitch talking about uh, NFTs, um, you know, I, I guess coming from a boomer perspective, I did not find that chuggy at all, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't have a lot of weight, I'm sure. You know, okay, I'm, having a, I'm having a hard enough time just understanding the financial terms, let alone this stuff, man. Now I'm oh, really confused. You know, just as uh, financial planning wasn't uh, complicated enough, However, again, where that fits in your own financial plan, that's a different story. And any of these type of things, NFTs, crypto, it's all very speculative. And so it's kind of fun things to do and money that uh, it could be extremely volatile or who knows what it'll be worth. But uh, anyway, very interesting subject. But going to the financial well-being, uh, COVID is almost two years now, and it looks like it's not exactly leaving us. And it's, it's, uh, it's kind of hit people at different you know, stages. And we just as we're thinking, everything's kind of getting back. Uh, jobs are back uh, to where they were pre-pandemic. Vaccination rates are up, bright skies, and now comes Omicron. And it's like, oh, geez. And this last, it's already been a tough for certain people. And it's been varied. Different uh, uh, areas, like depending on your gender, your race, your income, the occupation you hold, or even your age. All Everybody had a different you know, whole uh, way they deal, dealt with um, the whole pandemic. And as it turned out, the stress levels were extremely high. And this is not a shock here, but number four, I'll do a kind of a countdown. The number four was relationships. How, you know, probably working from home, uh, tripping over each other because there's a lot of Zoom calls. You know, it, it was tough on relationships. Number three was work. Again, uh, working from home, again, was all an issue. Uh, stress at work. Also, there's never an off button because you're, you could be cooking and uh, working at the same time. So work was a number two. And 15% of respondents said relationships was the worst, was the biggest stress. 20% said work. Personal health. Here we're in a pandemic. And personal health was the number two stress at 26%. And... Here we are, number one was money. 38% said money was their biggest stress, their biggest stressor. And you know what? This is where having a CFP, dealing with this, going over your situation. And also, quite frankly, we've talked about clients' kids and what they're going through and maybe how they can help out and how it won't impact them. So a lot of people lost sleep. In fact, more than half the people lost sleep because of personal finance. 
And people under 30 cited, 45% of people under 35 rather, cited money as their biggest worry. So they were impacted even more. Women, um, low income individuals, immigrants, were also way more impacted on this pandemic than, than the rest of us. And so women, one out of five women were actually forced out of the workforce. And from tw February, 2020 to February, 2021, in that year, 74% um, of the jobs lost were in positions held by women versus only 6% for men. And you look at the restaurants and hotels and in certain occupations that predominantly women, unfortunately, they're the ones hit. So you can only imagine how the stress is building up. And then people earning less than 40,000 a year were three times more likely to suffer from stress than people making over 80,000 a year because also the people are making under 40 were also three, were losing their jobs, sorry, at three times the pace. So immigrants um, also, generally speaking, just had lower incomes. So at the end of the day, it's it, you, people are going through this uh, pandemic all having different experiences. And, and you got to have some kind of idea of, of just because you're I, what you're going through versus what others are going through is totally different. It was a dichotomy on how this was held. You know, it's interesting you say that because I was talking to somebody from one of the major polling companies earlier in the week, and the number one concern for Canadians right now is inflation. Uh, during the, the day of the last election, the day of the last election, that was number five. Inflation cool. was number five. Now it's number cool. one. It's literally done a reverse in, in just, just since the, the election. And it's interesting you say that, Scott. I know we talked about inflation in the last show a little bit, but I had one listener email me, and he's actually worked out his inflation rate on his basket of goods. Uh. It was 11.4%. So what the CPI says is, as we talked about last week, is far different than what the actual experiences is. However, how do you relieve this stress? Working with a financial planner. It made a big difference. In fact, working with a financial planner, they felt much more positive about their economic well-being. They're less likely that money was their number one source of stress and uh, twice as likely to say finances didn't cause any stress at all. So uh, just having a financial planner at their side. And so they looked at planners versus no planner. Top um, money was a top course of stress. Only 23% with a planner, 39% with with, without a planner. Loss of sleep, 40% with a planner, 52 without a planner. Uh, health issues because of money, 20% with a planner, 31% without a planner. At the end of the day, I'm just saying money is extremely important. Having a financial planner by yourself, by your side rather, to make sure things are in order. And that also impacts the other stresses of relationships, work, and health. So financial planners, I know... Uh, it's still about getting orchestrating a financial plan to be efficiently accomplish your financial goals, but it does a lot more than just that. Can I have a hug, Don? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Scott. We have been planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management 905 972-7420. Another great show, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Thank you, Scott. You too. Thank you. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.